Greetings in Jesus' name. I'm Bishop Chester Wright, and this is the video teaching series, The First Commandment, Loving God. This is lesson number nine, Living Through the Lord's Love. And we're reading, starting in 1 John chapter 7. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone that loveth is born of God and knoweth God. He that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is love. In this was manifested the love of God toward us, because that God sent his only begotten Son into the world, that we might live through him. Herein is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his Son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought also to love one another. No man has seen God at any time. If we love one another, God dwelleth in us, and his love is perfected in us. Hereby we know that we dwell in him, and he in us, because he hath given us his spirit. Now, for context, I'm going to read the uh, verses 14 through 19, which will be uh, the foundation of lesson number uh, 10. So and so, I'm continue reading, and we have seen and do testify that, that the Father sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. Whosoever shall confess that Jesus is the Son of God, God dwelleth in him, and he is God, and he in God. And we have known and believed the love that God hath to us. God is love, and he that dwelleth in love dwelleth in God, and God in him. Herein is our love made perfect, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment, because as he is, so are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casteth out fear, because fear hath torment. He that feareth is not made perfect in love. We love him because he first loved us. Now I'm going to read verses 7 through 13 in the Amplified Version. This is a focus of this lesson, lesson number 9. Uh, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is, love is or springs from God. And he who loves his fellow men is begotten or born of God and is become or progressively and is coming progressively to know and understand God, to receive and recognize and get a better and clearer knowledge of him. He who does not love has not become acquainted with God, does not and never did know him, for God is love. Wow. In this, the love of God was made perfect. I'm going to read that again, verse 8. He who does not love has not become acquainted with God. The Amplified says, does not and never did know him, for God is love. In this, the love of God was made manifest or displayed where we are concerned, in that God sent his Son, the only begotten or unique Son, into the world so that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his Son to be the propitiation, the atoning sacrifice for our sins. Beloved, if we, if God loved us so very much, we ought also to love one another. No man has at any time yet seen God. But if we love one another, God abides or lives and remains in us. And his love, that love which is essentially his, is brought to completion, to its full maturity, runs its full course, is perfected in us. By this we come to know, perceive, recognize, understand that we abide, live, and remain in him, and he in us. 
because he has given, imparted to us of his Holy Spirit. And then finally, Weiss translation of 1 John uh, 4, verse 7 through 13. Divinely loved ones, let us be habitually loving one another with a divine and self-sacrificing love, because this aforementioned love is out of God as a source. And everyone who is in this manner habitually loving out of God has been born with the present result that he is regenerated and knows God in an experiential way. The one who is not habitually loving in this manner has not come to know God because God as to his nature is love. In this was clearly shown the love of God in our case because his son, the uniquely begotten one, God sent off into the world on a mission in order that we may live through him. In this is is the love. Not that we have loved God, but that he himself loved us and sent, sent off his son and expiatory, expiratory, expiatory, I can't ever say that word, expiatory satisfaction concerning our sins. Uh, unique, divinely loved ones, since in that manner and to that extent God, uh, did God love us, also as for us, we are under moral obligation to be constantly loving one another. God in his invisible essence, no one has ever yet beheld, with a result that no one has the capacity to behold him. If we habitually are loving one another, God in us is abiding, and his love has been brought to its fullness in us and exists in that state of fullness. In this we know experientially, that in him we are abiding and he himself in us because he has given us from his spirit as a source spiritual gifts and their operation as a permanent gift. Wow. And this again is one of those uh, uh, passages of scripture that you could turn into a whole series of lessons uh, rather than just hitting the high points as the Holy Ghost dictates and directs uh, for a single lesson. But by the grace of God, I will stay focused on the, 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 uh, the subject of this series, uh, the first commandment, loving God, and I will focus on, uh, on the subject, living through the Lord's love. And so, again, beloved, let, let us love one another, for God, love is of God. And everyone that loveth is born of God, and knoweth God, he that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is love. Now, again, man over the years, and uh, uh, those who approach the word of God from a human perspective and intellectually, they look at this and they take it completely out of context and say they, they say the only thing we need to do to be saved is just love. Completely ignoring what the Word of God says is the only way we can get the love of God. As I read the last verse of the, of the text I will use in the next lesson, says we love Him because He first loved us. Well, how does He love us? Romans 5 and 5, Hope maketh not ashamed because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost which was given unto us. 
The only way we can get the love of God is to receive the Spirit of God. Why is that the case? Because God is love. I can't get the love of God separate from the person of God. Now, He can give power without giving His person. And He can delegate His authority for both natural and spiritual purposes without giving His person. Because all authority is of God. There, nobody has ever created authority. God is, has a, God has all authority. All, uh, King James says, all power in heaven and earth. But that word is not dunamis in the Greek. It is exousia, which is authority. All authority belongs to God. Always has belonged to God. But he does delegate that authority to both natural, uh, secular officials, to husbands, whether they believe in him or not, to parents, whether they believe in him or not, to others who have authority in our lives, whether they believe in him or not, to judges, to kings and rulers and presidents and, 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 uh, 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 and legislative bodies, whether they acknowledge where they got that authority from or not, without giving his person. But you cannot receive the love of God without receiving the person of God. Because God is love. God is love. And the only way we can receive the person of God into us is to receive God by receiving His Spirit in us. God is a Spirit. When we receive the Spirit of God into us, we receive God. When we receive the Spirit, we receive God. When we receive God, we receive the love of God. But if the love of God is not being manifested through our lives then according to John, writing under the inspiration of the Holy Ghost, there is a legitimate question. If the love of God is not being manifested through our lives, then there is, there is a biblical right to ask the question, is God in our lives? And if the question is whether or not God in our li- is in our lives, then the next legitimate question to ask is, have you received the Spirit of God in a biblical manner? Now I will say this, all of this writing, you know, you know, we, we, we have a tendency to, uh, uh, fictionalize the characters of the Bible because they live in a time when w- that their life was different than ours. But flesh is flesh is flesh is flesh. And flesh was flesh in the garden. Even before there was sin, flesh was still flesh. That's how man ended up sinning. And flesh has always been flesh. Humanity has always been humanity. Human will has always been human, human will. All the way back to Eve eating what she was told not to eat. All the way to Adam not providing the oversight and the instruction so she would fully understand what God said to him. God spoke it to Adam. He didn't speak it to Eve. Because he was establishing Adam's responsibility to communicate it to Eve. Not because she was second-rate citizen, but that was God's plan, His structure. And then you got Cain, who exercised his own will according to his own flesh and brought to God a sacrifice that was not acceptable to God. And all down through time, all the way through here. So we have a, we have a, we have a, we have a tendency to fictionalize the people in the Bible. They almost become superheroes. 
But if you read the, 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 the epistles of Paul very carefully, he's very clear about his struggles and the difficulties he had and the, the, the way he was treated by people. I'm going to tell you right, something right now. You read Paul's writing, it becomes obvious that the Paul we see 2,000 years later is not the Paul his contemporaries acknowledged. There were way too many people that didn't even believe he was an apostle who were a part of the church, apparently, or at least supposed to be. They didn't recognize him. Prophets not without honor except in his own country. And so to the people of his time, Paul was never recognized for being who he was. And we read about his struggles. We read about his difficulties. We read about the tests of his faith, his difficult things. We read about Peter's personality. One minute he's being commended by Jesus, and in the same chapter, Mark, Matthew 16, he's being rebuked by Jesus. One minute the Lord tells him the reason you got this revelation is because the Father has given it to you, and before the chapter's over with, he's, Jesus is rebuking him for, for repeating stuff from the devil. They're all humans. Not one of them was superhuman. The man Christ Jesus, according to the word of God, was tempted in all points like as we are yet without sin. Now, he couldn't have been tempted if his flesh didn't have thoughts to do something. Yet, the grace of God working in the man Christ Jesus enabled him to live above sin so that he could be the innocent sacrifice for our sins. So the word of God here is very clear. You and I are not demonstrating that we have the God in us without demonstrating the love of God to God first. We first, the foundation of everything is our love we give back to God. We love Him because He first loved us. The foundation of everything, everything, is us loving God back and according to what we've been teaching from the God, the Word of God, both Jesus's in this series, both Jesus's words and the Spirit of God's Word through John, is that the way we demonstrate we love God is by obeying His Word. We don't obey His Word. We don't love God. Go to church all you want. Be separated all you want. Pay your tithes. Pay your tithes on mint, anise, and cumin. But if we don't love God. We don't have God because God is love. And we can't receive God and his love for us without giving that love back to God because the the God in us who is love is going to empower us to give that love back to God by giving our whole selves to God by obeying his word. Now again, I've already covered this, but in the growth process, we're not going to do everything perfect. We're not. In this life, we're never going to do anything perfect. We need a Savior every day. So if we, in the smallest way by our definition, or the biggest way by our definition, that we miss the mark, we do something that would cause us to miss the mark, the Lord's already covered it with His blood. If we would just confess our sins, and uh, 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 be, He would be faithful and just to forgive us our sins, cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Now that only works for people that that was written to, which is the church. It doesn't work for people till they get in the church. 
And they get into the church by being born again of water and the Spirit, by being obeying Acts 2.38. Now, once they're in the church, my sins are taken care of by confession. Because I don't want to keep anything working in my life that would cause me to miss the mark. That or my portion or share or place in God. But if I have God, I have love of God. And the love of God working in me by the Spirit of God, which is called grace, will then empower me to give myself to God in obedience to God. But as we will teach in the next series, it will also then empower me to let Him minister through me to others, loving others. And so some of these uh, scriptures we're, uh, we're, we're reading actually is talking about both commandments. Some of them I will end up reusing when I'm talking about specifically being used as a conduit to love others. But the Holy Ghost didn't divide it up like that. I'm just trying to focus right now on loving God and the next series on loving others as the second greatest commandment. But notice this, please. Okay? In this was manifest the love of God toward us because that God sent his only begotten son into the world that we through him might, uh, that we might live through him. <coughs> Herein is love. Not that we love God, but that God loved, but he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation or the sacrifice for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought. And the Greek word there is, it is a necessity. The word, the Greek word translated ought is, it is necessary also to love one another. It's a commandment. We are commanded to love one another. Well, I don't like them. So, so what? Why would God allow us to have brothers and sisters that we don't like? That we don't feel anything in common with? You say, well, that's carnal. No, it's human. Why would God allow that? (laughs) Exactly. Jesus said it. Jesus said, if you love them which love you, the King James says, what thank have you? Because even sinners love them that love them. Love them that love themselves. The Greek word translated thank there is the Greek word charis, which in most places is translated grace. So if I don't have, if I'm not loving those who aren't like me, then I have no evidence of the grace of God at work in my life. And the grace of God is the love of God in, in, shed abroad in my hearts by the Holy Ghost, the Spirit of God. And the love of God by the agency of the Holy Ghost works in me to empower me to do what I cannot do myself so that God gets all the glory for that. So if I only love those that love that are like me or I love, uh, there's no proof of the grace of God working in my life. So that's exactly why God believes in diversity. He is the original uh, uh, pr- promoter of diversity. Not exactly like the word is used now where 
no matter what lifestyle of sin somebody may be living, uh, that we accept them like just like they are. We are to love them like they are, but that doesn't mean we are called to approve of them like we are. I can love you without approving of you. You say, that's not right. Oh, so you love everything about you. You approve of everything about yourself. And yet the word of God says we're supposed to love others as we love ourselves. And we love ourselves by God's agape. So I love me because God loves me and that's my worth. But I don't like everything about me. I don't approve of everything about me. Never have. Don't ever expect it. Well, I love my wife. I love her like the breath of my body. I love her second to only Jesus. She is my best friend. But the bottom line is this. Just like I know she doesn't approve of everything about me, though she loves me very much, I don't ever approve of everything about her, even though I love her with my whole being. I love my sons. I love my daughters who... The the law calls daughters-in-law, but they're my daughters. I love my grandchildren, but there's not one of them that I agree with everything that they do or don't do, but I love them. And the difference is this. I don't let my disagreement separate me from them so that I can continue to have a connection with them to let the love of God flow through me. Just because somebody lives a lifestyle that the word of God condemns doesn't mean that we shun them and we don't treat them with love and respect. They need to know God loves them. And the only way they're going to know that is the way we treat them. And I can love anybody, no matter what their lifestyle is, even though I don't agree with their lifestyle. But their lifestyle choices are not between them and me. Their lifestyle choices are between them and God. That's how I can love them. Whatever God doesn't approve of, that's between him and them. It's not between me and them. All I'm doing is called to love them, to treat them with love and kindness and respect and let God demonstrate himself through me. Whatever disagreements God has with the way they live, That's between them and God. Now, I have the obligation when the Spirit of the Lord chooses to address situations to speak what he gives me to say. And if he chooses, he chooses to say something to them through me about their lifestyle choices. Uh, When he does it, it will be done with kindness, love, and respect. It will not be with scorn It will not be with contempt. It will not be with a haughty attitude. It will not be with a judgmental spirit. Now, there are some people, you can't say anything to them in disagreement with their choices without them saying, you're judging me. No, no, I'm not judging you. I don't have a right to judge you. The word of God, however, has a right to judge you. And I'm pointing out what the Word of God says. What you do with that is between you and God. I'm just pointing out what the Word of God says. If you don't want to follow the Word of God, that's not between me and you. That's between you and Him. And I'm just trying to share what He is telling me to say to you. Because He says He's trying to talk to you and you're ignoring Him. 
Ah, there it is, isn't it? So yes, there are times I am required to say to things to people that are negative. But we know whether it's God or our humanity with the attitude with which we approach people, the spirit with which we approach them, and whether or not we're speaking to them out of love and and the desire to see them helped rather than condemning them for the way they are. There's a lot of people who have proposed that they're speaking for God that are only speaking for themselves. What they say may be true, but how they say it is not God. And I have said this over the years. I've known, I've been known to be straightforward. Uh, some people consider being straightforward mean. Big difference between mean and being straightforward. Straightforward is you're simply plainly telling someone what the Word of God says. Being mean means that you're trying to hurt them with what you're saying. If I'm saying it in love, I'm saying it for the purpose of helping. I want to see them helped. I want to see them saved. If I'm trying to judge them or hurt them, I can be saying the Word of God. Even Satan quotes Scripture. But I'm not saying it for the purpose of seeing them helped. I'm doing it for the purpose of hurting them. No man has seen God at any time. If we love one another, God dwelleth in us and his love is perfected in us. Oh, if no man has seen God at any time, how are they going to see God? Well, if Second Corinthians chapter 4 verse 6 says that the world that we see God in the face of Jesus Christ, and we are now the body of Christ, then aren't people supposed to be able to see God by looking in our face? Shouldn't our face reflect God to them? Shouldn't that be the case? It is. If we have God, we have his love. We have God because we have his spirit. If we have his spirit, we have his love. If God, his love, his spirit is the Lord of our life and we are yielding ourselves to him and letting him love through us, then uh, people will see and hear God through us. That's why the commandment is a commandment. Because God is invisible. He is a spirit. And the face of Christ is now on the throne of the universe. And the only face of God that there is in the earth today is the face of those who are a part of the body of Christ. And so this isn't about you and me. And this isn't about your life and my life. This isn't about what you want and what I want. This is about the fact that he saved us from our sins and from ourselves so that we could be the conduit through which he could make himself known to this world. And if we're not willing to do that, we're not saved. It's just that plain. And you can read back through the verses I've used so far in 1 John, and also John 14, 15, 16, where Jesus is talking in John 14, 15, 16, and the Holy Ghost, the Spirit of Jesus, is talking through the Apostle John in 1 John, And the word of God makes it very clear, very clear 
that going to church, while I go to church because I'm saved, not to be saved, and paying your tithes, I pay my tithes, but not to be saved, but because I am saved. And I obey those in authority over me spiritually, not to be saved, but because I am saved. And I live a separated life, which is the outward evidence of my inward holiness, not to be saved, but because I am saved. Separation without the the empowerment of the love of God, the Holy Spirit within us, is not holiness at all. And it that's why people become eat up with pride over their separation. And I'm more separated than you are. The minute I begin to compare how separated I am versus how separated you are, and I judge you because you're doing stuff I wouldn't do, that's the point in time where I have proven it's not holiness working in me that's evidenced by my separation. No, no, that's my pride and ego. And I'm trying to earn something from God and from other people. The Pharisees stood on street corners with all of their garb and all of their activities so everybody could hear them pray and see them pray because everything they did was to impress people. It wasn't to please God. In fact, it was the traditions of the people of God that crucified Jesus because he did not challenge the the truth they had. He challenged the traditions they kept and loved and made a priority over God and his word. And they were so angry, that's why they wanted to crucify him because he was messing up their whole little neat package religious world. So they prided themselves on all the washing of the hands and whatever. They'd never let a sinner in their house. and they, they, They would ignore sinners walking down the streets because they're unclean and they are clean. And can you imagine how much it messed up their world when Jesus talked about the Pharisee and the publican in the temple praying? And the Pharisee says, Father, I fast twice in a week. I give tithes of all I possess, blah, blah, blah. And this is all I do for you. And I'm not like that publican over there. And the publican beats his breast in, in a sign of sorrow and says, Father, forgive me, I'm a sinner. And the Lord asks this question. Which one of those two went down to his house from that prayer meeting justified? The publican. It's not that what the Pharisee was doing particularly was wrong. It was the attitude and spirit he had with it and the motive behind it that proved it wasn't from God. It wasn't the work of holiness in his life causing him to be separated unto God, from the world unto God. Set apart. And that is why Hereby we know that we dwell in him and he in us because he has given us of his spirit. Praise God. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, I pray that we will not use the attitude of others in Jesus' name as a justification for ourselves of not living according to the word of God as the direction of the spirit of God uh, as justification for our not obeying God because our not obeying God and his word 
is the proof that we don't have the love of God. And we don't have the love of God because we don't have God. We don't have God because we don't have his spirit abiding in us. I pray that we would see this with our spiritual eyes, hear this with our spiritual ears, perceive this with our spiritual hearts so that we might receive it and believe it and walk in it. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you.